Code Fun Podcast Network. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com slash sustain. Hello and welcome to Sustain, the podcast where we talk about sustaining open source software. Who are we? Where did we come from? Where are we going? How did it all come to this? Oh no, is that a console log in the middle of this statement? Blah, blah, blah. Today we have a few panelists. We have Justin Dorfman. Morning, everyone. We have Gunner. Hello. We obviously have me. And we have a special guest today, Rachel Lawson. Hi, everyone. So, Rachel, you work for the Drupal Association, but you live in the UK. How does that work? I do indeed, yes. So, just as much as the Drupal project is a global phenomenon, so is the Drupal Association. We have people mostly based in the US, 16 of us, that help bring together the whole Drupal community. And... Two of us, there's me in the UK and there's Tanisha in just outside Delhi in India. And so Drupal's a small company of around 20 people, but I know that its reach is much wider. How many people are using Drupal right now to power their websites? <laughs> it must be millions. Uh, it truly is a huge thing. And it's pretty fair to say that if you use the World Wide Web at some point or other, Every day, every week, you're using a, something that's based on Drupal, no doubt about that, especially because it tends to be used on larger, more complex websites and the back end for quite a lot of apps as well, because it's quite good at providing an API. So I've always thought of Drupal as kind of the step beyond WordPress, right? WordPress is like good for like very easy blogs, but once you get a bit more, you need something else. And Drupal's kind of there for that. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, if you were making something really, really simple, a one-pager or something, do you need all of the things that Drupal provides? No, probably not. When you then begin to step up through the things that you're wanting to achieve online, then yes, that's when Drupal becomes, oh yeah, this is going to make my life easier, not harder. One thing I've always noticed throughout the years is that Drupal has a very big adoption within government. Why is that? I've always just wondered, like, is this a security thing or you tell me? Well, I think that's starting off in the right place. It's all about how we organize as a community. We're really on top of things like security. We're really on top of really thoroughly testing what we produce both Drupal core, the tens of thousands of modules and themes that add on to that, and also the ethos of the people who build with Drupal is kind of a very high quality. So that attracts the large organizations and very large organizations like government. I know that so london.gov.uk is Drupal. I know that quite a few are moving that way. There's a whole thing going on in the UK at the moment around councils, which is our local government model, collaborating together 
on open source tooling and web presences for councils, for local government, and actually making that open source between them, which is really exciting because it's so unusual. That's so cool. Uh, that's awesome to, to hear. While that's all happening and it's all happening on an open source product, how is Drupal getting paid? That's a very good question, actually, especially in, with recent events around COVID-19. It exposes quite a lot about how open source projects are funded. Drupal itself isn't funded by being owned by some very, very large organization like some open source projects are. It literally is funded by end user organizations, agencies that use Drupal, and individuals. And the Drupal Association that I belong to exists partly. One of its jobs is to help bring in those funds and to take them forward to spend them in the right ways, keep the lights on in terms of producing things like Drupal.org, which does huge amounts of work for us to help us put out information and communications about Drupal and the product and how it can be used and to highlight all of the really great agencies that work using the product. So, yeah, bringing that money in is quite different for Drupal than it is for some of the projects because it's not a single source. It's lots of different sources. One of the things that we have been doing in the past is raising money through events. So, particularly with our DrupalCon North America event, we see that as a way of bringing in large amounts of income, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So in the past, that has been quite lucrative and very helpful towards our nonprofit, the Drupal Association, so that then we can spend that on the project. But of course, in these last few weeks, that's become very interesting because the DrupalCon North America event we were going to have in Minneapolis in May the 18th, now is not going to happen on May the 18th because it's simply not possible, which is quite scary. It means that a very significant chunk of our usually guaranteed income is no longer there. So we've been going through a process at the Drupal Association about raising money. We have a campaign on at the moment called Drupal Cares. If you use the hashtag Drupal Cares, you will probably notice there's quite a lot going on with that. If nothing else, you will see me saying thank you to an awful lot of people every day. My Twitter account is just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you all the time. Because our community all around the world has really stepped up, really, really stepped up, recognized that Yes, we have a problem that we're not raising money through ticket prices and sponsorship of events. Individuals have been donating their own money on a very, very uh, regular basis and in very, very generous amounts. And so have organizations. We've seen more organizations sign up to our supporting, po supporting partner program in the last few days than we could ever have hoped for. Not only that, but many of the sponsors of the DrupalCon North America event that would have been on May the 18th in Minneapolis have said, we recognize that you won't be having the event, 
However, because we recognize how important Drupal is, we will let you keep our sponsorship money, regardless of whether you run an event this year. And if ever we could have wanted a vote of confidence in the Drupal Association and the work that we do and the direction that the Drupal project is going, which is very good, it, it couldn't be better. So we are seeing people really step up, recognize, yes, we need this to happen. This is important. This is what we do for a business. There's lots of organizations out there that use Drupal, recognize that there is a cost of doing business that is not just having the free software, but having all of the services that make that software useful. So, you know, if just downloading Drupal or downloading any open source project isn't enough. You need the services around it, the support around it. So regular security updates, being um, somewhere that you can work on new code and have thousands and thousands of thousands of continuous integration tests run every time you say, hey, I propose that we do this new thing in Drupal. Yeah. So Drupal core itself has, and I'm going to get the number wrong now, I do apologize, but the last time I checked, it was about 27,000 uh, PHP continuous integration tests. So every time someone submits a patch, a pull, pull request into Drupal core, up fires a instance of a continuous integration server, runs all those tests, and adds it into the thing. All that happens by magic, as far as the end user is concerned. But the reality is there is an engineering team at Drupal Association, and that they fire up these things on Amazon. They cost money, and we have to raise that money. So, yeah, all those type of things hang in there together. Yeah, but people are recognizing that that using Drupal or using any open source project is more than just the software. It's everything that goes around it. They are recognizing it and they are putting the money where the mouth is, which is great. I just want to interrupt real quick. I apologize. Do you want to give a shout out to those sponsors that have done that? Because that really warmed my heart. You know, the, the sponsors that said, keep our money. We believe in the project. We know we won't get any real value out of you know, to that not being alive, please give them some props. Well, what I'll do is get you a list to go with this podcast and we'll, we'll show that. One of the things you will notice is people have been working on this, putting money into the Drupal Association very recently. We put a badge onto people's profiles. So if you go to drupal.org slash marketplace or something like that, which shows people in their thing. If they have a badge on their organization profile that says Drupal cares, that's because they've given us money as part of this program. Those that were sponsors have said, hey, just keep the money regardless. I'll get you a list. Please and, do. Uh, It'll go directly in the yeah. show notes. We'll tweet it out. That's just yeah. awesome. That's, that's yeah, no, I, yeah. I, it, it, it's, there has been occasions over the last couple of weeks where not just me, but several members of staff have been, you know, almost like crying in, uh, sort of like, wow, this is amazing. Well, Which let's, is 
let's get into one of those. So <laughs> uh, af- after we booked you a couple couple days after, your founder, I can never, is it Dries or Dries? I, I can never Dries. Oh, Dries. Dries made this unbelievable donation. I would like you to tell the audience what it was, how it affected everything, the morale. Please, it's your, it's your it, stage. Absolutely. So Dries Breitart, who was the person who originally created the Drupal project, literally in his bedroom when he was at university, to keep in contact with his friends. He made an announcement last week saying, hey, as part of this Drupal Cares campaign until the end of the month, for every dollar that people donate, I will match it one-to-one, up to a maximum of $100,000, which I don't know about you, all of you, but to me, that seems like quite a lot of money. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) So that was a very generous um, campaign. The way that he did it has had a incredible effect in boosting other people also donating because it creates a need for people to go, yeah, I'll donate $100, $1,000, whatever it is. So it's increased not just, it's not just a boost off the $100,000, it's the boost of all the people who donated because they knew it would be doubled. And it was a really interesting campaign. I know that uh, we've seen some camps, some of our local meetups doing the same on smaller levels. Uh, uh, Dries has been incredibly generous in the scope within which Dries can work. We've also seen Drupal Camp Colorado offering to match donations as well. So if you buy a Drupal Camp Colorado virtual ticket for their virtual event that will come up later in the year, then they will double match it. So $25 ticket gives $75 to the Drupal Association. Up to, I think they've got $9,000 to use. So it's a different scale, but the idea is still the same. We've seen one of our core developers, one of our most prolific core developers and one of the maintainers of the project say, here, I've got several thousand dollars for every, everyone who updates their contributed module to be compatible with the next version of Drupal, which will be Drupal 9, which will release on June the something that I should remember. If you update your module, I will give a donation to the Drupal Association of $9. Tiny. You know, it's a small thing. But if that means that all of those modules get updated, and he gives a few dollars to the, it might be $90, you might need to check. He will give a donation to the Drupal Association, which both makes the software better and supports it financially, which is really clever, really clever, interesting ways that people are working. Yeah, and it inspires others to do great stuff as well. So that's, it's like this trickle-down effect of kindness in a way. Yeah, it's been really interesting because it has caught the attention of a very wide group of people that maybe the Drupal Association and the project's leadership over, over time has 
failed to connect with. So we're seeing people connecting because of the excitement and the interest of this campaign that's even better than we normally connect with people. So hopefully we can stay connected with them, which would be really great. Rachel, I'm fascinated with governance and you know, some, some of the work that, that Aspiration does is sort of helping open source projects scale governance. And I think Drupal is kind of a case study in governance that has scaled with some very complex variables. The fact that it's a very intense mix of for-profit and non-profit and government stakeholders. And so I'm just kind of curious if you could speak to sort of the civilian's version of how governance at Drupal works and what you think are the particular strengths that keep the project feeling like voices are heard, feeling like decisions represent the will of the larger community. I'm sure this has come into play in trying to respond to the current crisis. So I'm kind of curious your thoughts on what others might want to know about how Drupal governance and decision-making work that others can learn from. I think that in the last two years that I've been an employee of the Drupal Association, I've learned a lot about governance in general by looking at the Drupal project. It's complex. It is great in some places. There are places it can still continue to improve because we always are learning. Nobody knows everything perfect. But I think if there's one thing I've learned, it's that governance is done by, or or rather, a community is actually made up of multiple communities. So when a job needs doing, then communities form. Those communities need to be given the feeling that they own that job and that that will help them grow. So recently, we noticed that some people were wanting in the Drupal project to see great understanding and passing of best practice, etc., around organizing of Drupal events. Now, Drupal events, anyone can organize a Drupal event. Absolutely. There's no one stopping anyone organizing a Drupal event tomorrow. And we are always very happy to see that. However, knowing where to go, where to see lists of events, all that type of stuff could always be improved. So one of my jobs as community liaison at the Drupal project is spotting people that are beginning to show leadership in an area and enable them to grow and create that sub-community that is going to own those things. Then help them grow, give them a voice, bring them up, give them, give them attention and answer any questions, get things out of the way. So the event organizers working group has been slowly creating over the last year and it's really doing amazing work now. What happens is as that begins to develop, Not that they need permission to do that job, but because sometimes it helps people get on with it. We then went to the point of creating a little uh, charter document. We got Dries to sign off on that uh, because people very much see Dries as the single point of leadership, want a better description. And they had this piece of paper that gave them hey, this is your scope of work. This is how you're organized. This is your uh, committee process, how you vote people on off committees, et cetera. This is what we expect of you. And they've then 
really taken that on board and they're doing incredible work. They put together uh, a request around how they want events listed and advertised and promoted on Drupal.org. We literally rolled out the code for that last week as it happens. Uh, it's not, you can't see it yet because <laughs> we're busy testing it because it needs testing. But yeah, so that's the work that they did, not because we said, hey, there needs to be a group on this, but because we recognize people beginning to do the work, forming that community and amplified them and enabled them. So we, that's how we like to work as far as the Drupal community parts are concerned. Some groups are highly connected to the leadership of the community. So the security working group, the event organizers working group, documentation working group, all these types of things are, are very closely tied in and very often get support from the Drupal Association. The community working group being an example because they have to do things like uphold the Drupal code of conduct, which means they're making very hard decisions. So on occasions, they want to get people trained in working group stuff, uh, code of conduct stuff, and we can arrange that and finance that from the Drupal Association, and we do that. So that works in there. They're very closely tied into us so that we can give them legal support as well. So that if a very interesting case comes along, I might get involved to understand it, an interface between community working group and the leadership of the Drupal Association, and then them getting hold of lawyers just to check something through before we actually do anything that could be a problem. Then again, you also get groups that form, communities that form, that do work, that for very good reasons don't want to be in part of a hierarchy. And absolutely, that's the right thing sometimes. So the Drupal Diversity and Inclusion group are not part of some governance hierarchy. They belong and in, are entirely self-sustaining because that way they can be completely independent of anything. That's how they want to be. It works well for everyone. So it's not as though the same model applies to everything. There's not one governance model. There's the governance model that matches correctly to each job. Thank you. Super interesting. Okay. <laughs> so I know you're the community liaison for Drupal, correct? That's your technical role, even though you probably wear a lot of hats. Uh, yeah. So I'm the community liaison for the Drupal Association. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So the Drupal Association doesn't own Drupal. Yep. Yeah. So Drupal exists and then we support it. It's one of the reasons when, before I started in this job, I was actually part of that community working group, a volunteer group in the community. And the Drupal Association came to us and said, hey, we're thinking about creating this role, community manager. I piped up, as a, I was a developer at the time, I piped up and went, I love it. I think it's a really good idea, but don't call it community manager because <laughs> yeah. that's telling people that they're being managed and that yeah. 
I don't know how many times you've hung out with people in the Drupal community, but they don't like being told that they've been managed. So um, the, I said, look, if you're going to do this, call it a community liaison. It's a liaison between the wider Drupal community and project and the Drupal association. It was later on I went, well, you know, I wrote, said all those things. I'm actually quite fancy the job now. So then I started talking <laughs> to them and I went, yeah, here I am today. So it was never that's the intention. The, yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. And that, I think that was a really good um, choice of words. I have resisted being called a community manager before because it just sounds official. And it's, just that's just not, it's got the yeah. stigma. It's just got this. It's oily. It's oily. Yeah. It's really, it's not, not good. I will say one thing though, um, I didn't realize, but I didn't know how to spell liaison. And I, for, the f for the first several days of starting the job, I'd been typing community yep. liaison incorrectly. Yep. So. I misspelled that all the time and community only has two M's. Good to know. Um, <laughs> one of the things I'm, I'm curious about is I know that there's some exciting work going on at the Drupal Association, which sort of mirrors this of fitting people in where they're best, not just fitting in where they need to go, right? So if I was interested in joining Drupal's open source community, but maybe I'm not the most proficient at code, et cetera, could you talk more a bit how those efforts are channeled and how you capture all the contributors, not just the devs? Absolutely. Well, for a start off, and the single most important thing I think we changed was that getting attribution for work doesn't just apply to code. So we celebrate, we recognize, and we attribute work for all different reasons. If, if there's one thing that we've done that has transformed Drupal into a wider thing than just a piece of software, it's that. So if you, if you go and do anything, you should expect to see it in a Drupal issue and you should see your name against it. And you should find when you go to your Drupal.org profile, it will list that you've done a piece of work, regardless of whether you coded it or whether you wrote a document or whether you recorded a video. It's all good. Yeah, that's the one biggest thing that we did. Uh, and I would implore everyone to do the same. And I kind of wish GitHub would make it that easier to do. So if I wanted to drive a motorcycle from the UK to India in order to support Drupal's <laughs> efforts, would I get a little motorcycle icon? Well, <laughs> back in uh, 2014 at DrupalCon Amsterdam, I did suggest the idea, as, idea of us having something like open badges on Drupal.org profiles. We're not quite there yet. We'll get there. I will get my way eventually. <laughs> I usually just, do. just don't give up. Keep going. <laughs> so, it, it's funny, actually. We're doing more of that type of thing. But absolutely, if I was to, or you were to join me on a ride to India, um, which I really quite fancy doing, talking to open source people along the way. Um, and just for reference, yes, Rachel is a very avid motorcycler and is actually planning on doing that, which is why I brought it up in that silly way. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to get that in somehow. That is so cool. So I will absolutely go back to motorbiking later, but let, let, because it's, it's a passion, <laughs> everything else just gets in the way. Uh, but uh, on the, on the point of view of bringing people to do lots of different jobs, 
because I really want to get this out because it's a, it's, a, it's a passion of mine as well, is first of all, we need to be able to recognize their work and we need to be able to organize them and mentor them in groups that understand that work. So for example, in terms of marketing things for the Drupal product, we have uh, a thing called Promote Drupal, which is a whole group of people all around the world working on that type of thing, making videos, making pitch decks, making all sorts of things. And they're, they're doing really good, incredible work. There's this thing called the Drupal pitch deck and they, it's just a Google slides and lots of different people putting, putting content in there and so on, getting it approved. But then someone went, well, we need it translated and we need it translated into German. We need it translated into Spanish. And they, they built an entire translation engine uh, where people can submit translations as of the Drupal site in the middle of it. And it, it's incredible. It's this incredible piece of work. And it's some people are coders in part of that, but they're being exposed to the marketers and they're having to think about marketing. So when you do these things that aren't just code, you actually bridge the gaps between different people's jobs and you expose people to more than their job will expose them to which is really powerful. It's how people grow. It's how people become better employees is by contributing. If you can make the contribution a rich experience over and above what they can get just by doing their job, then you're growing people. Now, one of the other things that I've been working on with members of the community like Jennifer Hodgson and Carolyn Shannon is looking at our documentation around community and contribution. Ironically, one of the great powers of Drupal is modeling content to represent what you actually are looking at. And we haven't been using it in the past around documentation. So we just had plain things, you know, plain pages everywhere and people writing stuff in the hierarchy and so on. Say we're actually rebuilding our contribution guide and we're creating a model around community roles. So a role could be something like being a reviewer of issues, being a creator of issues, which are temporary roles, or it could be a more permanent role like a mentoring lead or a documentation lead. And we're going to document those roles. But then each role we'll have a number of tasks and then we'll put in the tasks what you need to do, what that role involves. And also each role will have two fields, actually. One field that lists all of the skills that would be expected of someone to be able to fulfill that role and the skills that you might be exposed to and learn on the job. So you can awesome. see by looking at a role how you can grow and how you can yep. pick things out. And then we'll have on the Drupal.org website, there will be essentially a role browser. You'll be able to go along and say, hey, I've got a skill about teaching Git, yeah, or something like that. And you'll be able to see all the roles that need that skill and then be able to say, hey, well, actually, yeah, that sounds interesting. I'll go down, do that for a while. And the role will tell you what to do. It will tell you who to contact, how to get involved. Also, it will say, if you've been doing this role for a while, let's suppose you're a, a mentor at one of our events, well, what's the next step? 
Where can you take yep. that knowledge and go no, go somewhere else? So we're building that at the moment, and it's it's quite exciting actually because hopefully it will help let people get involved. I love that. I love that. That ties into something else I've seen where instead of being called a community manager, you're called a community gardener. Because really what the job is, is to garden things, you know, to help things grow, help people grow. Absolutely. That's actually about it for time at the moment, unfortunately. So we do need to wrap up. If you're interested in motorcycles and or coding and or growing contributors, where can people find you, Rachel, on the web? Well, probably the place you'll find me writing the most is actually on Twitter. Um, (laughs) My thoughts come out in very small lumps is the is the honest truth quite often say my twitter id is rachel underscore norfolk and it's rachel r-a-c-h-e-l underscore norfolk which is where i live awesome and now it's also the time for spotlight where we highlight projects which have really helped us grow in the past justin what do you have didn't really make me grow in the past, but I'm just so proud. Like, I don't know if, if for those who don't know, Sustain is part of a uh, network of podcasts. And one of our sister podcasts is called The Ruby Blend. You can find them wherever you get your podcast. And they just published a new episode called View Component at GitHub with Joel Halski. And he is a software engineer at GitHub. And it's just very, very well done. Andrew Mason just really drove the conversation. It was just very interesting. I don't write Ruby, but after listening to that, I was like, hmm, I kind of want to check that out. So good job to uh, the Ruby blend. Awesome. Thank you, Justin. Alan, you got anything today? Yeah, sort of a, a double, a category and a specific project. I think not enough people are aware about the hardened OS movement, the versions of Linux that are trying to innovate around how operating systems can be more trustworthy. And we have the privilege of working with a lot of them Cubes and Subgraph, and there's another one. And what I wanted to shout out is Tails. We've gotten reconnected with Tails lately and getting to have some great conversations with them. And Tails is an operating system that focuses on your anonymity and tries to make it so that when you connect to the internet, nothing about you leaks. And so that it is truly an anonymous access of the internet, which it needs uh, hyper surveillance times becomes all the more critical. So I just want to give a big shout out to the Tails project, tails.boom.org, B O U M.org, I believe. Tails, love those folks, love everybody working on hardened operating systems for Linux. Awesome. Mine will actually be similar. I'm going to change mine slightly from what I had in my head. Drupal was one of the first projects I started using when I was building websites for student protesters during the massive attack on um, costs for education in the UK back around 2010. Uh, We had protests of around 100,000 people. I occupied a building for a month and a half. And I built a Drupal site to help be part of that movement. And going forward, I learned a lot more about what privacy meant to me. And so my shout out today would be to the EFF, Electronic Frontier Foundation, who do a lot of awesome work. They have a GitHub account where they have various projects like Privacy Badger, where you can just go and contribute today to help out with things like solidarity for you know, privacy activists, which is something I used to be slash am now, but won't talk about it in person. Rachel, what do you have? Okay, I'm the guest, so I get to. So, obviously, Drupal has been quite a big part of my life recently. I went to a Drupal event in Leeds in Yorkshire in the the UK last year. And 
then after leaving the event, we, we all went for a drink. And we went into the same pub in Leeds that we went into at the first Drupal event I went to 13 years ago. And I, it just made me reflect back how much it has changed my life being involved in the project. And it's kind of incredible. I, I am a different person than I was then. I think I'm a happier person, so I, I can't complain. I'm thinking of things that have happened very recently. I'm just back from Nigeria, just before the doors all got closed. And I went to a thing called Oscar Fest, which was the open source community Africa open source festival in Lagos, where there were 800 extremely excited and highly motivated open source people in a room. And it was just this huge experience. I have never been to anything like that before. It was incredible. Awesome. That's a great one. Oscar was super cool. So everyone check out OSCA and Drupal. Thank you, Rachel. It was excellent having you on. And that's all for now. Take care. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. With 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia, with enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage options, and their next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a price that you don't. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com slash sustain.